Hello, Grace Point. So glad that you are joining us here today. There are, in life, there are quizzes and there are tests. And sometimes the quizzes catch us by surprise or pop quizzes. And sometimes in life, tests are also a surprise. I don't know where you are in the faith continuum, whether you have no faith you know, in Jesus, or you're new in the faith, or you've been walking with Jesus for a while. But God knows where, exactly where you're at. And he also knows where he wants to take you. And along that faith journey, there will be quizzes, and there will be tests of faith. I'm going to give you a couple examples of some quizzes and tests in my life before we jump into the passage today. I was a sophomore at Liberty University, uh, desperately trying to pursue a young lady called Candy. And um, um, I talked a couple weeks ago about my faith really being stretched and growing. My freshman year, and God still wasn't done, still not done today. Doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, he's still going to give you quizzes and and tests. But I remember as a sophomore, um, on Sunday nights, we would have a church service on campus. Because there were so many kids, we couldn't bust the churches and stuff. So we had it on campus. And then after... Uh, that church service, uh, there, would, there would be food in, in the dining hall, and Sunday night cafeteria food was the worst of the week. I mean, it was the worst. It was like leftover Sundays, and let's clear out the refrigerators, and uh, we hated that. And so uh, on that night, um, I told Candy before the service, I said, hey, after the service, I'm going to take you to a fine dining uh, restaurant called McDonald's, because <clears throat> all I had was a $5 bill in my wallet. And she was like, that sounds sounds great. Uh, She wasn't that excited to go with me. It was just that we weren't going to go to the cafeteria. But so in the service, right before, you know, the guy gets up and teaches God's word, they said, hey, we have a special announcement. Um, There is an urgent missions need. And they described the need. I don't don't remember what it was. And they said, but but we're going to take an offering right now and and see if God will meet this need. And at that moment... I heard from the Lord. Now, before I tell you what took place, if you're, you know, not, don't have faith in Jesus or you're new to the faith, when you hear somebody says, you know, I heard God, that just sounds freaky, all right? <laughs> that sounds weird, you know. It's not an audible voice, you know. But uh, let me just tell you how I know it's God. Walking with God, you're going to hear his voice, Jesus says. But um, when I... When I hear something, you know, kind of in my spirit, I know, I know what, that when it's Satan, because Satan's going to tell me to do something wrong, it's going to be disobedient, it's going to be outside of God's word, you know, could try this, you know, give in to this temptation, whatever. I know that's the, the enemy, but when, when it's not from me, I'm not even thinking, my brain isn't even in that hemisphere, and a thought, random thought comes, and it's not the enemy, I typically understand that, that is God giving me some direction. So as I sat there on that chair and hearing the need, we're going to take an offering, I heard God saying, I want you to give. And I'm thinking, but I only have five bucks. I want you to give. And I'm thinking, do I put the five in and take change, you know, take four dollars back, you know, you know, the dollar meal, can at least, I can at least do this for four dollars. And God goes, I want you to give it all. And you're thinking, oh, that's five bucks. Hey, when that's all you have and you're trying to impress a girl, not that you do that with McDonald's, but 
That was a big deal on my faith journey. And I remember opening my wallet as the plates are being passed and looking in it and wrestling with God. And then taking it out and dropping it in. Found out later, Candy was saying, what are you doing? <laughs> but I didn't know at the time that, made, that was a positive statement in her mind. But that was a big faith quiz in my life. A number of years later, there was another quiz. I'm the youth pastor here in the 90s. The youth ministry is growing. Things are happening. Things are positive. I love my students. love this church. And I got, was contacted by a pastor in Florida wanting to meet with me in, in a Gig Harbor I meet me and my wife for, for breakfast, and so I'm sure, you know, and, and in our breakfast, he said, I, I've, I've heard what you're doing, I like what you're doing, I like everything I'm seeing. I would love for you to consider uh, going, moving to, to Florida and being the youth pastor at my church. You know, it was a much bigger church, much bigger salary, and all that sort of stuff. He goes, I, I'd like you, for, you to consider doing this. And in my mind, I'm going, no way. Florida, mosquitoes, alligators. And I love the church. I love the youth group. No way. And then he drops this. Well, will you pray about it? And in my mind, I went, no, I don't want to pray about it. I don't need to pray about it. And then I said, I will pray for two weeks. And I really wrestled with that. Because I'm like, I love what God is doing here. I only told my friend Paul Hill. That's the only person I told because Kenny was there at the conversation. I told him and he goes like, Whoa. And then we come to church the next two Sundays, Pastor DeGraff at the time in our old auditorium. Pastor DeGraff had a two-week series on faith about stepping outside your comfort zone and going where God is calling you, even if it's inconvenient and you don't like it. And both Sundays, and I go look across the room to Paul, and he's already looking at me. He's going, you know, and I'm going, ah. And I came to the point where I surrendered, and I said, if you want me to go to Florida, I'm willing to go. And as soon as I surrendered that, God was like, no, I want you to stay here. I was just wondering if you'd be willing. That was a quiz. A number of years later, I, my, my, my health here was pretty bad. Uh, sinus infection, I thought I was allergic to Washington, allergic to rain. And all the surgeries I was having, nothing was helping me. And, 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 and God was leading and, and going to move me back to California. I thought I was going to go back there and get my life back. And at that time, two churches reached out at the same time, and they, they wanted to interview me. And so I was like, whoa, okay, these are much larger churches. And, and we were kind of struggling financially here. And so I, I went to the first church, and I said, okay, I just want to be up front. I'm, I'm, I'm going to interview here. Then I'm going to fly down to Mexico and speak down there for a group. And then, and then there's another church in Southern California. I'm not trying to pit you guys against each other. I don't, I don't do, try that leveraging. I just want to be up front. I want to be transparent. So we go there, interview, everything looks good. Did the research, you know, in the Modesto area. I was closer to my, my brother. I was closer to my family. I was closer to the San Francisco 49 training camp in the summer. And, uh, and so obviously this was all God's will. And then <clears throat> get in the meeting with the executive pastor, and he slides over a paper. And I didn't realize it at the time. I never had it before. It was an offer sheet. And I flipped it over, and I saw the salary and I already did my history and research on real estate, and I knew by just that number I could afford a brand new house with a pool. And I'm thinking, surely I will be a much better youth pastor with a house with a pool. This is obviously God's will for my life. Thank them, pray, I'm going to pray, 
Went, got, went home, turned right around, flew the next night, went down to Mexico, was teaching the high school and college-age students at a big, big missions thing. And at the, uh, outside the tent area where we slept in tents, uh, there was a, a big tent, open canopy, and we call that, it was called the, the tent of meetings. It's an Old Testament term where they, they would go and meet with God. And they said, hey, if you ever something you're wrestling with, you want to talk to God after the you know, services at the night, go out there. And I went out there one night, and no one was around. I'm like, well, since no one was around, I can talk out loud. I can pray out loud. And I was like, okay, God, you know what I'm going. And, and, and got this really good offer from Modesto. And, and the Spirit of God was like, I don't want you to go there. And I'm going, yeah, but God, I can get a house with a pool. I do not want you to go there. And I actually said this, this is how pathetic I was, revealing my faith. I said, God, what if I take that offer from that church and put it in this pocket back here? And then after Mexico, go interview at the other church, and then we can compare the two. And then God had the audacity to drop a Bible verse in my mind. Was it thinking about it? From Hebrews 11, all I heard from God was, without faith, it's impossible to please me. I'm like, you pulled the Bible verse card. And I knew I, I needed to say, no, I went home, talked to Candy. She didn't have peace either. I called, said no. And then the guy, no, 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 please reconsider, roll up the offer. And I said, no, not having any idea about the next church. God's will is not for me to go there. I'm, I appreciate, appreciate it, but I, the answer is no. And I go down and I interview at a much larger church, and one night after about 17 interviews during the day, I'm driving with Candy back to our motel, and I'm on Imperial Highway. And the Spirit of God was like, I am calling you here, and it's going to be hard. That's not what I wanted to hear. I'm calling you to this church, and it's going to be hard. They offered, we said yes, we moved there. And it was brutally hard. Everything that worked here, nothing worked there. I was loved up here. Students hated me there. The pay was, it was, I think every month we had a $10 margin. No breathing room. One of, on 26 uh, senior staff, there's only two of us on a single income. And I was one of them. It was the first time in my life I became desperate for God. Desperate for God. And I had no idea that God would take out his divine belt sander and was sanding me as a man, me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor and a leader. And God made some major changes. I had no idea what he was doing, but I, bet I went there because it was obedience. There were Wednesday nights, I'm driving to youth group, and I'm going, God, they don't like me. They don't want me. In fact, they would rather I'm not even here. I'm only showing up because you called me here. And I had no idea that God was preparing me in drastic ways to then come back here in 2005 to be your lead pastor. We're in this series 
through the book of Genesis called Timeless Truths. We're understanding God and his story, redemptive story, and now this is part three of a, really the narrative of Abraham and his faith. And, and, and a couple weeks ago we talked about his faith. You know, he had to come forward as God was calling him to trust in him and, and didn't know who this God was, and he had, to, he had to take steps of obedience even though he didn't see or understand clearly and it was like, you got to, sometimes faith is a step of faith. It is a, it is a step forward to, to God. And, and that's really where he became a, really a follower of God. And, and it was scary, but God blessed him and had promised him, I'm going to give you a whole nation. He's like, how, how's that? We're late in years. We have no children. God was like, I'm going to give you a son. And actually from your seed, there will be multiple nations. And then last week, Pastor TJ talked about faith often requires waiting. And he had to wait 25 years. Uh, and he, to, to have a son, and he tried to fix it himself, made it worse. And at age 100, God blesses him as an absolute miracle gives him Isaac. Today we're going to talk about faith is always tested. Faith is always tested. If you're taking notes, the timeless truth is this today. Is that when God is ready to take you, your faith to a new level, buckle up, it comes with a test. God knows where you are. We're on the faith continuum. God knows where he wants to take you. He knows the blessings that will be there. But when God wants to, to move your faith to another level, a deeper level, a more mature level, it will come with a test. Write it down. It will come with a test. The bad news is it's a test. All right, that, that whole two churches in California, and what, that, was, that was back-to-back test. Was I going to obey? Was I going to go where God wanted me to go, not where Barry wanted to go? The bad news is the test. The good news is God will take your faith to another level. Now, here's the thing about God's tests. God's tests measure our character and reveal our level of faith. God's tests will measure really our, our character. It's going to really show our character. And it's going to reveal our level of faith. I mean, how much do you really have faith in God? How much are you going to really trust in God? Now, here's the purpose of these tests. The purpose of these tests isn't to fail you, all right? It's not to fail you. It's to prepare you. Sometimes we think test, God's being mean. No, no, no. He's not putting it there and hope you fail. No, he's giving you a test to prepare you for the next level, prepare you for things that you're, you're not ready for yet, and, and even blessings that you're not ready for yet. So that's what God is doing. Go ahead and turn to Genesis 22. We're going to pick up on this story. Genesis 22, because this is not just a test. This is a, a final exam for, for, for Abraham. This is not even close to a quiz. This is a, a big, major test. And how do you know that it's a major test from God. How do you know that it's a major test from God? My example, my life is, is, is shows up in two ways. One, it calls for something significant in your life. Like this is gonna be a significant move, a significant change. It will cost you something significant. It is a major whoa moment. Like, wow, God, really? And, and your heart kind of, flutters and your, and your faith kind of shakes that it's something significant. And the second way you can under, understand that it's a major test from God is that it makes absolutely no sense at all. <laughs> makes absolutely no sense at all. Like, God, you seriously, you want him to do that? 
Like we were already struggling financially here, not struggling, but we're right on the edge here. And God didn't want, didn't want me to take a church with a great paycheck and a new house with a pool. He wanted me to go to a mega church where I would struggle for five years every single month financially. That doesn't make sense. I went, I went backwards financially. But that's, that's why it was a major test. Something cost me something significant, and it doesn't make sense at all. And my test compared nothing to Abraham's test. Look, chapter 22, look at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. God's being very clear. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Uh, excuse me, God. Are you crazy? This makes no sense. My notes went flying. <laughs> this, this doesn't make sense. My, my one and only son, you, you want someone I've been waiting for? It was a miracle? And you want me to what? Sacrifice him? Like we do, like lambs? See, God was testing Abram's heart and what he cherished the most. What do you cherish the most? God may, may, what if God calls you to put that on the altar? You know, this is not a quiz. This is a serious test. God was, God was testing his, his character. Was he going to obey when he didn't understand? When he was going to obey when it didn't make sense? He was testing his worship. Are you, you going to offer me your very best? Let's continue. Here's how he responded. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, probably middle school, young teenager maybe. And he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, I said to his Abraham, father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Um, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt sacrifice? Something's missing. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son, and the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, tied him up, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it 
as a burnt offering instead of his son. You ever heard of the sacrificial lamb? That, this is where it comes from. And I believe rams should be sacrificed, especially on Sunday afternoons. <clears throat> verse 14. This is important. I'm going to come back to verse 14. This is significant. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, meaning Jehovah Jireh. That's what it means. The Lord will provide. Don't miss this. To this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be, future tense, provided. I'll come back to that. See, God, God's test, they measure our character and reveal our level of faith. Right out of the bat, the character of Abraham was tested. Will you obey when you don't understand? Will you do something incredibly hard and trust me with it? And it said, the next morning he got up. God didn't give him um, a time frame, but he just, the next morning, let's get to it. Let's get to it. You see, when God calls us to obedience, we all have multiple PhDs in, of rationalization. Well, obviously God's not doing this, or maybe I heard it wrong, or maybe, you know, this is what it means, and we wait and we wait and we wait. When we choose to obey God immediately, we are most likely to obey. If we delay it and delay it, it's actually disobedience, but we, then we never get around it. And then it's months, years later, he obeyed immediately. That's character. Obeying God when he doesn't make sense. Obeying God when it doesn't make sense. His level of faith was revealed. And he said to his two servants, stay here. We will worship. I love that phrase. We're going to go worship and we will come back. See his faith? We're going to go worship. You guys stay here. We will come back. Speaking of him and Isaac. And then, it's most likely the teenage son goes, uh, Dad, uh, there's the wood and the fire. Something's missing. Where's the lamb? And Abraham's faith speaks and says, the Lord himself will provide the lamb. That's his level of faith. Incredible. Now, if you're taking notes, don't miss this one. Faith is always measured by movement. Faith isn't measured by information. Faith isn't me measured by the knowledge of what God, God is saying and God is word. The, the, faith isn't measured by a, a clear recognition of what God is asking us to do. That requires no faith. Faith always requires movement. I got to step forward. I got to step forward. By faith, Abraham had no idea who this God was saying, I want you, I want you to follow me. Go where I'm going to lead. I want you to go. By faith, without all the information, he stepped forward. Faith always requires movement. And, and here is required movement, moving forward. Uh, baptism is an act of obedience. It's a step forward of movement. We love Baptism Sundays. Next one's coming up on November 20th. And some of you have, it's been a long time that you, you've known that God wants you to get baptized. But you're rationalizing in your mind like, well, I'm an introvert and I don't want to do this. And publicly and all these people, uh, no, 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 movement, obedience, step forward. Go online to our church website, find at the top, find events, click on there, and it was right there. Click on the link and fill it out and simple steps. And on November 20th, you will 
have movement in your faith by obedience and by being baptized. That's just one small example. Now let me give you an example of, you know, if we're, if, if we're going to, not only as an individual or as a couple or as a family, but as, as a church, we're going to step out in faith, right? It, 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 there's going to be a test. A year ago this month, a year ago, we didn't broadcast this. We didn't really share this with our staff. But we were struggling financially. The whole COVID thing, uh, the, the domino effects were still, were still falling and, and people left and then they stopped giving and never came back and all this sort of stuff. And then in the middle of COVID, it was a very painful, difficult, necessary decision to, to, to let go of one of our pastors, knowing that people would leave and, and not understand and, 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 and a number of families really left, taking their offerings with them. And a year ago, at this time, we, didn't have, we weren't operated at 100% budget. We were operated only at 85%. Trust me, that 15% is a lot of money. Several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, your staff, we have policies in place and character to match it. We just didn't purchase many, as, as many things. So we were still operating wisely. But the trend it was going on, myself and our executive pastor, Bob, we were meeting, and we already began to talk about if this continues into January, these are the difficult decisions that we're going to have to make. Because we're not like the U.S. government. We can't just print money. All right? All right, I didn't say that first service, so I'm not sure if God was inspiring in that comment. But <clears throat> we still have to be wise and good stewards. But we were saying, we're going to have to do this and this and that. At the same time, God was leading us to move forward with what is now is called the Horizon Initiative. And I'm going, seriously, God, um, we're not making the ends meet now. And you want us to step out in faith and do this big campaign, financial, and, 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 and you know, inflation was starting and people were freaking out. Seriously, God, now? God goes, yes. We brought, we brought in a consultant, and he wanted all the, all the financials. And he's looking at the information, and he's going, um, do you realize? Oh, yeah, we realize. <laughs> and you want to? Yes, we think. And we, we got down to it. It said, bottom line, it makes no sense, but we believe by faith God is calling us to do that. I am sweating bullets. I'm up here on Sunday, and I'm no problem. You had no idea all this going on behind the scenes. I'm sweating bullets. And then January comes. We unveil the Horizon Initiative. And a lot of areas, and one of the aspects of the Horizon Initiative is, is the financial of uh, we need to raise $1.9 million, you know, to completely overhaul, renovate our children's area, our youth area, in desperate need of, of upgrading and, and remodeling. And, but it was... Stepping out of faith. Movement. Movement. Nothing financially changed. November, December, January. But as of faith, when we took a step forward, our offerings changed in February. February. So again, we're operating at 
We, our, our, our business, I mean, our fiscal year starts September 1 through the end of August. This August, we finished not at 85%. God helped us finish at 105%. 105%. See, faith always is measured by movement. And it was a scary step. But that's what God was calling us to do. And he gets all the glory. And what he's doing with, with, with you know, trying to raise 1.9 million, we had some money left, you know, left over saved from another campaign. And, but as of last night, as for the very latest, it's not it's even updated from your, from your program and the TV and the monitor in the lobby. So far, the Horizon Capital has raised $1.266 and $148. $1,266-plus. That is God saying, I told you to step out in faith. I am going to raise this money and to provide for your needs. See, when, when, when you're ready as an individual or couple or family or a church, you're ready. God wants you to take the, your next step. It's going to require a test. A test will come. And God measures our character. We're going to obey. When it doesn't make sense, God reveals our level of faith. Are we truly going to trust God? Now, what we see in, in Genesis 22, these are real people, by the way, with real emotions, real fears. But in the New Testament, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, looks back and gives some commentary of, to the heroes of the faith who, who were stretched and they trusted God anyways. And so what we see is what happened in Genesis 22, but in Hebrews 11 gives us some commentary, even what Abraham was thinking. So ch chapter 11, verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises, that's Abraham, was in the very act of offering up his only son. He had reached out and grabbed the knife. In that very act of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring, offspring be named. Now I'm going to ex explain what this means in a couple weeks. The promise of a son and, and a future nation that the whole world will be blessed through your seed. By faith, he was willing to sacrifice it and surrender it. And he was in the very act of doing that before God stopped him. And here's what Abraham was thinking. Verse 19. For he, Abraham, considered this, that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, that happened, all right? That's what he was thinking. Like, my miracle boy, that was 100 years old, my miracle boy came from a miracle-making God who still has the ability to do another miracle and bring him from the dead. That's his faith. That's why he's one of the heroes, because it wasn't just a theological faith, trusting in his head. No, he actually did it to his most precious possession, his child, his miracle boy. And his character was tested and his faith revealed. Now here's one more thing for your notes. Don't miss this. Is that when God is testing us, God always has something bigger in mind with our faith exam. So we think that our faith tests, faith exams, is just about us. Oh no, God has a bigger 
plan involved when he assigns to you and I a test. When he assigned to Abraham a test, he had a prophetic picture in mind that God was painting. So we just read, you know, uh, Genesis 22, and this happened, this happened. But in that story, God is giving us a glimpse of a bigger picture. That he said all through that chapter, uh, your son, your only son, your son, your only son, your son, your only son whom you loved. That's how he was describing Abraham and Isaac. And then in the New Testament, Jesus is talking to a Pharisee at night who was under, trying to understand Jesus and what he was talking about. And in the conversation with uh, Nicodemus, Jesus says this about God. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only son. That's what, that's what God was painting, a much bigger picture that what Abraham was going through. And we see that, that Isaac, when he said, Dad, we got the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? The, the, the lamb, the perfect sacrifice, that was a picture of Jesus being the lamb of God who came his first time for the sole purpose of going to the cross to atone, to pay for, to cover all of your sin and my sin. And Jesus was the perfect Lamb sacrificed. And in the picture of Genesis 22, Isaac went willingly on that altar. All right, most, when I was a teenager, I'd be like, oh, no, you ain't tying me up, God, or, or Dad. You're not doing that to me. Jesus went to the cross willingly, knowing what it would cost. Oh, that's just not, that's just not all the picture that's being painted there. You understand that when God said it uh, to, to Abraham, Abraham, why don't you take your son, you're going to sacrifice him. And I got a specific place in mind on the mountains of Moriah. Do you know where the mountains of Moriah are? There was nothing there when Abraham went. That's where the city of Jerusalem was going to be. And in that area, the mountains of Moriah, something significant took place. That is, there became a place called Golgotha where Jesus was sacrificed. I personally believe, I'll ask God in heaven, I believe it was the exact spot because that's how God does things. That thousands of years before, Abraham was going to sacrifice his one and only son. I believe on that same spot is where Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed for your sin and mine. See, God has a much bigger picture in mind. And your test, my test, it's not just for us. I think our quizzes are for us. But when it comes to faith exams, God has other people in mind. When I had those back-to-back -back tests and I, we went down to Southern California and did not realize how difficult it would be, even though God hinted it to me, I had no idea what God was doing. I had no idea. When we struggled at times to pay for groceries, That God was planting faith seeds in the lives and the hearts of my daughters. And what God was doing in my life, what God was planting in their life and their faith, and now i got two of them with children and seeing them planting seeds of faith into my grandchildren. You see, God always has a bigger picture. And our faith exams are scary. But when we step forward and obey, and then we see God 
show up and answer. It's not just for us. And when God was sanding me and humbling me and remaking me as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a leader, I had no idea that God was preparing me to come here to serve. See, God has a much bigger plan and a much bigger picture. So your tests, they come from God. They're going to measure your character. Am I going to obey by faith? Am I going to move forward in obedience? Let's measure our, our, our faith. And am I really going to trust God? I mean, Abraham had, Abraham had to surrender his most precious thing in his life, his son, his Isaac. What's your Isaac? Who's your Isaac? So you got to understand, these aren't just stories to be, oh, cool, look at his faith. No, no, no. What's your Isaac? You have something that's close to your heart? Would you be willing to surrender it to God if he asked for it? I mean, you have, we all have hopes and dreams, right? We have hopes and dreams. And many times we're like, okay, I, I, no, I, I don't want to give it to God because I want to get my plan. What if God says, give me your hopes and dreams? Believe me, I'm going to refashion your hopes and dreams to really make it better fit because I really know you more than you know yourself. But do you have enough faith to say, God, I'm going to surrender my hopes and my dreams. And even when certain dreams die, I'm going to trust you anyways, God, because your plan is going to be better. What if God has something else for you besides the career that you've been working at and studying for and getting tested for? Maybe what if God wants all of your experience to shift your career in a way that advances his kingdom? Would you walk away? Maybe that's your Isaac. Here's the hardest one. What if God wants you to surrender your children and grandchildren to him? Because God's plan, maybe, what if, what if God's plan for your son or grandson is to be a missionary in Ukraine? Or your daughter to go off to India and work in an orphanage? No, 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 God. No, no, no. I want them close. What's your Isaac? Is it hard? Absolutely. But you will experience God like you've never experienced him before. Our test. It's not, they don't, God doesn't give tests so he can fail us. It's to prepare us. And what he has prepared for us is way better than our plans. And way bigger than our plans. Would you pray with me? I don't know who you are today, where you're at, where you are with the faith. But maybe God is calling you to finally trust in him as your savior. To surrender your soul and your heart to him and say, yes, Jesus, I don't understand it all. But I believe by faith that you came to earth to be my sacrifice for my sins. To atone for my sins. To make me right in right standing with a holy God. By faith, I'm going to surrender and say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're saved and God wants you to get baptized. Surrender that and all your fears and all your issues with that. Maybe God's testing you with your finances. You're too scared to trust him with your finances or your career or your kids or whatever. 
God, thank you for Abraham and his faith. Thank you for him modeling what it's like to get an incredible final exam and to pass with flying colors. Thank you for his faith. Trusting you enough that, God, even if you have to bring my son back from the dead, you're a big enough God who can do that, and I trust you with my son. Wow. Lord, may you see movement in our faith, even today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.